0: A- oh, God. It's Nacho Mama's Christine Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Nacho Mama's Christine Podcast. Christine Podcast. I don't take yourself too seriously. I am your host, Shane, here with
1: Eric. Yet again. Now, is that a siren you were doing, or is that like you saw a really attractive female?
0: Definitely a siren. <laughs> Eric, I'm, oh, here. You go. <laughs> I'm here. Put him by the wolf. Was the, the, the yeah. it wolf with uh, yeah. Roger Rabbit? Or what yeah, it, yeah.
1: Was, or in the mask when he
0: turned to wolf. The mask. And, yeah. his, and his jaw Joel went down Rock. the floor and his tongue went unraveled. What's the girl in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. 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 But no, that's not we what I We should not kidding. have watched that as a kid. <laughs> no. Not with Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> no. That movie is kind of <laughs> messed up as a kid. I know. It's a great movie, though. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like the, the scene where uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd, he was a bad guy and he was dipping the shoes into the acid. And yeah. the shoes. Ah, ah, yeah, ah, yeah, ah, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... that's traumatizing
1: and they had mickey mouse and bugs bunny in the same movie i don't know how they, they did d- yes yes that's not possible yeah watch it on disney plus is it on disney plus i think it is i think it is on disney plus i'm telling you they're both in it but i'll tell you what they're the guys fallen mm-hmm. from somewhere and bugs bunny and mickey mouse come flying down with like a uh with a parachute and they give it to him and it's a fake parachute <laughs> classic i don't know why i remember it so well But
0: i'll tell you what though even though the
1: movie is pretty traumatizing it's an awesome movie yeah it, it, I was afraid of a couple things
0: yeah here or there in it and uh that I mean that's a movie that is commonly referenced as traumatic to, to to kids our to people our age when we were kids um and yeah the bad guy looked had had a couple faces that Ooh, were like oh terrifying
1: so I maybe I wanted to show my my kids that maybe I shouldn't yet no. I, don't, I don't give them that fear early oh they're not old enough for who framed Roger Rabbit. but you know in us being in the Christian world you know yeah. what else? Cause a lot of fear. Uh huh. Left Behind. Yeah. The Rapture. <laughs> yeah. All, and if you don't know what Left Behind is, that was a book series that sold a whole lot of copies. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember how much Dan said. I think a $83 million, I think is what he said. Um, a ton of copies. A lot of different books. Um, made two movies. One with Kirk Cameron in two thousand. Uh-huh. One with Nicholas Cage. Boy,
0: in 2014. Boy. Boy. He come on some hard I know. times. Wow. What's the movie about? You remember? Uh, yeah. People left behind. Oh, come on! No, it's about <laughs> it's about uh, uh, the wor- the world after the rapture, and um, uh, people have disappeared, and their clothes are left behind, and everyone else is left tr- in chaos trying to figure out what is happening in the world. But really, they've all gone to heaven, yeah. and these people are left, and now it's the tribulation that's starting. It's the end of the world, mm-hmm. and um, for for many people, cause, so I'm thirty two, Eric is thirty four. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we are both millennials. We're on the older side of millennials, but uh, um, we're still we're still millennials. But most millennials kind of experienced this when we were younger. I, we definitely saw the movie. We didn't read the books. Uh, we but, didn't read books. Yeah, we don't know how to read. We do so the good. we do the DC
1: talk song. Left behind.
0: Sun has
1: come and you've been left behind. That's not...
0: It wasn't their song, right? I know, but they covered it. Yeah, I know. Wish we'd all been, been ready. <laughs> yeah. That song is so sad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Obviously, we didn't really... We we were around that culture for sure because we were in the Christian community and that was talked about. But it was never something that really terrified me. Mm-hmm. I was... I did have a fear of going to hell for yes. sure. Um, I did have that fear, and um, at one point I was I was saying this before we started recording, and I know you were part of this. You I, don't think you were, but I know you were there.
0: I don't remember this. I remember story the whatsoever.
1: first time I shared the gospel with somebody. It was a kid that my mom was babysitting. did my, my our mom did daycare. Yeah, it was a kid that was in the daycare, but he wasn't much younger than us, and it was summertime, so he was over and I, I can't remember for the life of me the kid, who the kid was. I don't even remember what he looks like, but I remember talking to him about Jesus and specifically about hell and oh, how yeah. you will, how if you don't believe in Jesus, you will go there. Uh, and I remember saying stuff like, do you want to go to hell? Oh
0: my gosh.
1: No. Then you need to pray this with us. And you were there uh. and we held hands in a circle and I remember when we were done, like you better talk to your dad about this. Because <laughs> if you he want, doesn't, do you want him to go to hell? I remember, this is the first time I ever did it. I don't, and I don't, I don't know how you don't. Did I dream it? I don't. I
0: I literally. You have were there. No memory of that. You were but, there. But you're two years older than me, so I don't know. Maybe it was like we were at the ages where you had memories and I didn't remember. Yeah, maybe I was so like well. seven and
1: you were five yeah, or something or know.
0: whatever. But I don't. I don't remember that at all. But I do. Remember, it was at the, our
1: oldest house, so it was before I was in fifth grade. Oh wow. So maybe I was in like third yeah, second grade. Know. So maybe you don't remember that.
0: But I do remember as a kid being scared of of once. Uh, so I felt like. I wasn't going to be left behind. I felt like, okay, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus, even though I prayed the sinner's prayer countless times. Yeah, me too. Just to make sure. Just to make sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You got to pray that a bunch of times. You don't know when it sticks. You don't know. (laughs) So I remember doing that. But I still, like when Left Behind came out, I was still like, well, I mean, that's not me. I'm not going to be left behind because I, I know Jesus. But it made me sad for other people that I knew in my life who I didn't know if they knew Jesus. Yeah. And like that terrified me. That that we could go to heaven and my my friend from elementary school isn't gonna go or where, or whoever. Uh-huh. Like that instilled a, a fear in me that that I didn't like very much. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of different fear is a very easy tool to use when mm-hmm. it comes to not even just Christianity but religion. Um even even cults will use fear. Yeah. At times. Uh and that's kind of we kind of touch on this with our interview today uh, with uh, Dan, Dan Dan Coke. Coke. Um, he is the he he hosts a podcast called You Have Permission Podcast. Uh, we actually um, got in contact with him with our buddy Jameson from the Godspeed Podcast. If you look for a podcast, it's also a great one. He gets insanely popular. He guests. just had a guy from the Used on there. He had Pete Holmes on there. He had Pete Holmes. Yes. Oh my gosh. He got a uh, Lee singer of audio adrenaline.
0: Wow, that's a big time.
1: You know, he wrote a book. We should contact him.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's
1: fun. You find out the publisher. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) Coming up next week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't we
0: can't make any promises. Mark Stewart. That's his name, right? Yeah.
1: Um we should we gotta
0: read the book. Anyways,
1: Dan (laughs) Dan Coke. Um he's uh he uh hosts a podcast called You have Permission Podcast. Um, a really good podcast, but he specifically has done a four-part um series on the end times and basically how End Times is called mental illness and anxiety and stress in, um, in a lot of people that grew up with the idea of the rapture, the idea of End Times with left behind. And uh, some of the stories that are told on there are heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stories are borderline, if not child abuse. And we talked about that. Uh, but we had a really... Man, this is a super easy conversation to have with Dan. Um, it just... Flowed very easily, and it was just a very interesting topic that we've never ever touched on. We've yeah. never we're 130 some episodes in. We've never talked about yeah. rapture well, and end times.
0: Listening to these people's stories on his podcast and listening to Dan specifically, and so many other people, it makes me very thankful that we grew up in the Christian community in the 90s and we didn't experience a lot of the terrible things that many people experienced in church. And not just from the 90s, but even even before, and even still today, there are a lot of bad churches out there. I find myself being very thankful that I didn't have those sort of bad church experiences. I, I,
1: know, I yeah. think about that a lot, but never thought about it when it comes to end time stuff until yeah. I started listening to Your Permission podcast and hearing the stories. And we've, we were around it, but yeah. it was just never really talked about too much, where some people came from churches that that's all they pushed was... And times the world's and, gonna end yes so and so you better be ready yeah i wish we'd all been ready so let's get to our interview with dan
0: well we're here with Dan Koch uh, who has a podcast called you have permission and um, Dan both Eric and I have been checking out your podcast and um, there's how many episodes are released currently something like 53 52 something like that yeah and it's awesome man we really we really enjoy it we've been checking out your conversation um, all about the end times and um, and what that has kind of that conversation that's starting which honestly I've not heard too many other people really bringing up this conversation of the damage that the the end times theology has done in Christianity and in America today so give us a little bit of background into uh what got you interested in this topic of um, of end times uh, damage and theology
2: yeah well first I should say I can't take all the credit I mean mm-hmm. there have been books about it for decades but mm-hmm. I think that what happened what's happened now is that millennials especially have gotten old enough to sort of do our own soul searching Mm -hmm. and we're a a pretty big generation and the boomers are old enough now to not have an influence on the kind of books and podcasts that we make. Yeah. So it's time basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the reason that I got interested in it is it's my story. So when I was in sixth grade, somebody gave, I I was a sixth grader who already had what I would now call panic disorder, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an anxiety disorder. I didn't of course have that language then. Um, And I was given a book called 1996, 96 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 96. (laughs) It predicted September. This was April of 1996. Oh, the Uh, clock is ticking. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm 12, and I'm freaking out. Um, Mm. And uh, I had panic attacks for a month or or Mm. more um, about that, and that followed me throughout the rest of my life, eighth grade. We studied Revelation and Daniel in my Christian junior high Um, anytime, anything about, oh, Obama is the antichrist or, um, especially in, in 07, there was a guy in, um, in Florida who was claiming to be the antichrist and Mm. his followers at his church were getting six, six, six tattoos. And uh, there was like a dateline or 2020 special on him or something. And that's like the worst panic attack I've had in my life. And that was, I'm 23 at that point. It's like, I'm just about to get diagnosed with anxiety. And that's what led to it. Um, So now, you know, fast forward 12, 13 years, I'm just like, keep hearing these stories. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's my story. And and this is crazy. And and why the hell was this so popular and whatever? Mm -hmm. And then I'm also studying to become a psychologist. So the angle I took was sort of mental health and, and end times and just. Just started gathering stories from people, and uh, eventually this will be my dissertation. But for now, it's just kind of early work, and it's a podcast series.
1: E- explain to people that are listening that don't really understand end times. Didn't grow around, didn't grow up with like left behind books. Like we all three of us have, um, didn't really grow up. They, they just see that as a terrible Nicholas Cage movie. But right. yeah. <laughs> so explain when when we talk about end times and the rest of this conversation, we'll be talking about a lot. What are we exactly talking about that? that uh for the audience that's listening
2: yeah that's great it's funny you can tell someone's cultural upbringing if you say left behind and they say nick cage or kirk cameron <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah okay. kirk cameron was ours <laughs> yeah kirk cameron's ours or just you know they say tim LaHaye and jerry b jenkins whatever yeah. right yeah <laughs> So um, how to do this succinctly. So uh, in 1970, a guy named Hal Lindsey released a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. This is at the height of the Jesus movement, which is like a hippie boomer Christian movement. Um, and it's the one of the top 10 bestsellers of the 1970s. And it makes all these predictions about how Bible prophecy in Revelation and Daniel will show up in the real world in the next 20 years basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then fast forward 25, 24 years left behind. The series comes out in 1994. It's got 20 books all told that series has sold 80 million copies. Man. So that is more than one per evangelical Christian in America. <laughs> wow, um, Just a massive, one of the biggest selling book series of all time, mm-hmm. like it, across all genres and everything. So it's basically this idea that um, there is a kind of code in the Bible uh, in the prophecies of the Bible, that, if you interpret it rightly, will basically tell you how the world is going to end. and that and that plan that was became most popular, this it's called premillennial dispensationalism. Uh, and the pre-tribulation variety, which is the left behind version, says there will be all these signs, wars and rumors of wars, very conflicting claims about does everybody need to be a Christian or do they not need to be or, is the world actually going to get worse or are more people going to become Christians right before uh, very vague, people are very vague on that, but something like that will happen. Mm-hmm. And then the rapture will occur. Uh, and it's like some portion of the world's population will disappear. Their clothes will fall onto the ground. There will be a massive uh, global emergency and emerging out of that will be the antichrist who will unify the world and will kind of reign for seven years until at the end, Jesus comes back literally in the clouds with a sword, and uh, with all the people who are raptured, and there's a giant battle, and all the bad people and Satan and all his demons are killed, and then uh, Jesus ushers in a thousand years of peace on the earth. That's mm-hmm. the, I think that's about as succinct as I could do. That it was about. a
0: good. That was a good <laughs> explanation. It's like you've done I, this before.
2: <laughs> a little practice, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: so, but what what you've gotten into is interviewing people on your podcast who have been taught this at a young age uh, as children as as we were, but I listening to the stories that uh, people that other people you've interviewed, I can't relate to that level, like yeah, I remember. Uh, I don't. I don't think I ever read one of the books. Maybe
1: we didn't. We weren't very chapters. good readers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> our, our mom had to like pay us to read books. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, but I remember watching the movies. I remember having yeah. a like a like a a youth event at church, and it was like late lock in, and we're watching Left Behind movies all night. I remember doing that, but it wasn't something where it was like drilled into me or something that that really scared me. It God was bless just you. like I know, and <laughs> I, I feel fortunate after listening to your stories. Yeah, because I yeah, was like, it was more so just like a wow, this is a crazy movie that's happening right now. So, yeah. give us some insight into some of the experiences that that yourself has had with this, and people that that you've interviewed that you've encountered.
2: Yeah, so I, I've um, to be clear, because just because people don't know me, I don't mm-hmm. believe that any of the things I just said are going to actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should be clear about that. It was very, very popular. It remains pretty popular today, although less so. I think there's like no evidence for it. Um, Almost none. But, so what I found, it's really interesting. There are are a few uh, sort of curious and interesting, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Combinations. So it really depends where you grew up is one thing I I think is true. So the South and the Midwest, for instance, Mm -hmm. you are a lot more likely to have this be part and parcel of the gospel message. So Shane, from what I'm understanding from you, mm-hmm. you grew up in church. I would guess you had a basic gospel message, yep. accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that was mostly taught to you. And on occasion, they'd play the left behind movies. Yep. Yeah. Right? It okay. wasn't something that was like taught. Right. That's that's more what I got. And mm-hmm. I think that the reason that I became so anxious about it is that I was already susceptible to anxiety. Mm-hmm. I had already had panic attacks in third grade around thunder go figure. So there was precedent for me to freak out about something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But a lot of people grew up where end times and the gospel were intricately linked from the first time they can remember learning anything about Christianity. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I found. And then another thing I found is that it really does depend on what kind of a constitution you have. So the reason that a lot of people listening, some people listen, they go, Oh my gosh, this is my story. Thank you so much for recording these stories. I, I feel like I'm not alone. A larger percentage go, wow, that's so interesting. I recognize the theology. That wasn't my experience. And the reason for that is that people have different levels of resiliency to trauma, basically. Um, and for you, this was not traumatic. It was like a weird movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, if I had been with you at that same junior high lock-in, mm-hmm. I would have been going into a panic attack. Wow! I would. My heart would have started racing. I would be sweating. I would be like calling my mom, like borrowing someone's phone. Like, mom, I don't want to stay at the lock-in uh, because people's biology and their genetics and the way they're raised and, you know, whatever. Like, I have friends who get really angry very easily. I don't get very angry. I get panicky, mm-hmm. right? So people just have, they're just different personalities yeah. and, and different biologies, different neurochemistries. And so we react differently to the same stimuli.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this kind of leads to one of the questions I had, and you kind of touched on it already, but how much do you think the end times message caused anxiety for some, and it might, this might just be dependent on each person, yeah. cause anxiety or when it comes to kids that are now trying to deal with a mental health issue now uh, compared to people that are maybe already susceptible to it. And then this just kind of fueled it like what came first almost.
2: Yeah. Um, so I am not a psychologist yet. I'm, I'm in school, but I'm early on. So mm-hmm. take all this with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But my, my gut is that it can't make someone an anxious person alone. You, you might have a thing where like you have a shitty parent Mm -hmm. and this is the thing that they use to sort of spiritually and emotionally abuse you, whether or not they're trying to, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That could make you anxious, but it's probably more your parents' personality that's more of a salient factor than the content of the thing that they use to scare you. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. yep. So an abusive parent is a much bigger deal than like the belt that they use, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, So there's that. There are a couple people though who said things like, You know, I think I would have been anxious anyway, but my OCD didn't kick in until I started uh, praying prayers uh, incessantly to avoid going to hell and praying them 50 times in a row or stuff like that. Now, I don't know enough about OCD. My guess is still mm, probably you were going to have OCD either way. Uh, But what, what I think for me, what's so frustrating is it is an exacerbation of those things. Um, and it's completely like what I grieve over and what I get angry about when I think about it and listen back to these stories is the unnecessaryness of it all. Yeah. Uh, like there's just like, it's not good evidence. Like my dad and mom both mm-hmm. grew up doing, um, under the desk, cold war missile drills. Right. Mm-hmm. So the cold war was real. People thought it's possible that we'll nuke Russia and they'll nuke us. Yep. Now, I would still question the efficacy of putting <laughs> fourth graders under their desks yeah. if yep. we're being nuked, but at least that was a real possibility, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This stuff is like was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is where I get more frustrated with it, like the futility of it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And so uh, there have been a couple stories that I've heard on your podcast where um, this sort of End times theology was taught in a way that actually was child abuse, in a way oh, yeah. that it was abuse of power. It was a, emotional abuse. All of these things that just made people feel absolutely terrible about themselves.
1: I think Samantha. I think it was yeah. Samantha or that's who that's what you called her in part yeah, two. Yeah. Was that one when I was listening to that? I literally texted like, "Oh my gosh, you need to listen to this story." Um, just
2: yeah. All, but yeah, that's so, a crazy one. So her, her like what's crazy on first listen about Samantha's story is that she and her mom and her boyfriend at the time got really into this prophet and believed mm-hmm. her that like Obama would never leave office. And she like spent her severance on mm-hmm. doomsday prepping. But I think that what you guys are getting at, which is on like the sadder part is like early on in her life, her mom is using her prophetic gifting Mm -hmm. and then other people are coming into her church and using their quote unquote prophetic gifting to basically just emotionally abuse her and say, you're full of lust when she's like 11 Mm -hmm. and has not had any lustful feelings. um, That really is like listening back. That's the part that sets the stage for -hmm. the later stuff, right? That's the part I'm almost sadder about Mm -hmm. is like you have these adults just speaking, really, these lies and and just doing all this harm for no reason mm-hmm. uh, out of this particular understanding of faith and I think ego that each of these people had um, and a lot of it does really does amount to abuse, um, you know. But you can abuse someone without trying to, of course. Yeah, yeah. So
0: when I and there, I know there. This isn't a black and white fine line here, but um, for some people, like. It, when does it turn into child abuse for for somebody? Because some people believe that teaching the Old Testament to children is child abuse because of of how angry God can get at times and he takes his wrath out. I don't hold that view, but I know the people who who think that if you teach this to a child, then then it's not okay because there are things in the Bible that that are the Bible, right? And there are things that that we believe that are can be taught and should be taught, but maybe not to a young age, right? Maybe something should be held off till a little bit later in life. It doesn't mean that the Bible is is wrong, but maybe it's meant for an older, more mature audience, right? So I don't know if you can answer that question or not, but (laughs) that's where where does it turn into that?
2: Well I think you bring up an interesting point, which is like age appropriateness and teaching our religion to our kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're already kind of aware of that, right? Like children's storybook Bibles do not contain the part of the flood narrative where God kills everybody else on the earth. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a nice picture on the wall in the classroom with the rainbow. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and hopefully they'll say something like, you know, people were being mean to each other on earth. You know, something like that a kid can handle, right? Mm -hmm. That is one of the things that um, was a little bit mind boggling is like, a lot of these stories – and sometimes it's because they're small church communities and so they don't have separate classes for all the ages and stuff. But, like, you know, nine-year-olds, eight-year-olds mm-hmm. in the room when they explain the rapture and then they have somebody blow a trumpet in the back of the building yeah. to simulate the end of the world to an, eighth, an eight-year-old mind. Uh, crazy. I yeah. mean, no matter what you – like – even if you think it's going to happen, like what's an eight year old going to do about it? Like that, that's where I really get off the train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it, of course, it's easy to, to pick the most egregious examples, right? Um, mm-hmm. But that's what the storytelling format of podcasts are for, right? Is the egregious <laughs> examples. You got to keep people in the seats or with their headphones on. Yeah. You know,
1: and even listening to it, I was, I'm even imagining what's the what's so sad to me is, I don't I'm not hearing parents that are trying to abuse their kids. I'm hearing parents right. that truly believe this and are doing what they think is best and the result is child abuse and they don't even know. You even say one point it's yeah. not even it doesn't have to be intentional for it to be child abuse. And right. and I, I think even Samantha's story might play into that. Um can't remember the name of the guy in the same episode. His might play into that too, where it's almost unintentional yeah. child abuse, um, to an extent. And that's what gets so so it's scary that you're talking about this view and this idea of the end times in a way that they don't even know what they're doing to their kids in it, and that's just what like
2: really saddened me listening to some of those stories. Yeah, let's let's actually we'll talk about Steve, who's the second half of episode two. Um, so Steve, the again the thing that is interesting at first listen is that he's gay, and so. He uh, at one point thinks, well, Jesus returning will free me from having to be gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really tragic and, and sort of a headline grabber. Uh, but the more insidious thing when you, like for me on second listen, listening back to them when they came out, is like he was in college and at a Christian school and he was exhibiting like major depressive symptoms. and mm-hmm. And so the college, to their credit, they stepped in and they were like, hey, man, like we have to get you some counseling help. Uh, you know, we, we can't, we can't be liable for just letting students become suicidal essentially. Yeah. Um, but then he goes home from school and lives with his parents for, I can't remember if it's like a year or two, something like that. And just barely remembers it. He's in such a daze and he didn't get counseling. Like they, the parents didn't say like, Hey, you know, maybe you should see a counselor. Yeah. Um, so what is it about that subculture that you could have a son going through that much stuff? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I guess we should just put him to work. Yeah, y- You know, like um, I, it's, it's, some of it's generational and some of it's I think he was living in a more rural area. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where, you know, you listen as someone in an urban area and you, you just kind of can't get your head around mm-hmm. it. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there are people. Whose job it is yeah, to yeah. work on this kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. and like that's the time you do it. So there, there, oh, there's so many factors, right? There's education level, there's the subculture of evangelicalism, which is pretty anti-psychology and pretty anti-intellectual on the whole, uh, and all these things play a factor.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What one thing that stuck out too was
1: the idea of Jesus' imminent return and what that did for. People's view on religion and authority figures, which might come into play and why parents went around this. So what did you find from these stories of how their view of a religion or the pastor who they almost look at as a prophet or or faith in general with the idea that Jesus is coming back in like four months, like like a lot of people believed, or or yeah. after Obama's after Obama's term, what what did that do to that idea that they had?
2: Yeah, so I'm trying to I'm trying to synthesize in my own head what I think the relationship is because I don't say it in the show. I think that um you, you could come up with a couple factors that make that make it more likely that the end times bit will increase the spiritual authority of the pastor or prophet or whomever that is teaching that stuff. One of them is how anxious is the kid. So the more sort of um the more anxious, the more depressed, the more OCD, whatever, then the more uh, desperate they are to feel like they're okay with God. And the way that they feel that they're okay with God is by having their spiritual authority tell them that they're okay with God. Or if they're okay with the pastor, then they must be okay with God because the pastor is closer to God than I am, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one. And then the other one would be Well, that's That's probably the main thing, actually, in terms of increasing a spiritual authority. I guess the other thing would just be how likely do you think it is to happen? So if you're if you are sold on it, uh, if this guy or gal has convinced you, Mm -hmm. then you are going to look to them as uh, very important. And Mm -hmm. so one way we would say this is it has increased their spiritual authority over you and spiritual authority can be beautiful but it can also be really damaging. And I think that when you pair it with uh, a prediction of the end that is basically unsubstantiated, you're going to get very few good general outcomes from the increase of that authority. And and we hear a lot of stories of people who basically left the church over this. Mm -hmm. They're like, these guys don't have any idea what they're talking about. So I guess I'm out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So there's always been an audience when it comes
0: to End times, the end times. Not even just in the Christian community, but obviously it's big in the Christian community. But it's oh, it's yeah. everywhere, right? Like apocalyptic movies, or there was a uh, the yep. the leftovers show that uh, was on yeah, HBO, leftovers, right? Yeah. Um, and so, which is kind of the rapture, kind yeah, of. Yeah, 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 kind of. It, it it was definitely definitely playing into that. This and is the right. end. That's the rapture. Uh, uh, the Seth Rogen movie. <laughs> yeah, that's actual rapture. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that uh, the end of the world prophecies always have an audience.
2: I mean, uh, again, I'm just, this is just my gut, but I think that, um, we, so the, to get a little nerdy, what separates humans from other animals? Uh, one, one thing that separates us is that we, our brains have developed so much that we have a capacity for imagining the future. Mm -hmm. Um, we can project out into the future in a way that other animals can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe dolphins can a little bit, you know. Like there's, there's some questions about, but, but we're, we're, we're far and away. There's a, there's we a can big think step beyond ourselves. Yeah, yeah. But time is the big thing. So mm-hmm. what that means is we know that we will die. Mm-hmm. So a dog can see another dog die, but they don't necessarily go. Now they're gonna start making Woody Allen films <laughs> to deal with their <laughs> existential anxiety, right? Like. Yeah. Humans do that and so I think that one it's an awareness of our own death So that is a and and people have different theories about just how important that is in our psychology I'm coming to believe it's quite important Um, And then the second thing is that we are um, Fascinated by spectacle, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. well, it's not just my death But it's like the death of everything that is literally the most exciting possible thing you could ever experience Mm -hmm. And depending on where you fall emotionally, so some people are afraid of the end, some people are really excited by the end, some people don't want the rapture to happen and die, some people can't wait, and they would just much rather be in heaven. We heard from both those kind of people on the, on the episodes, by the way. Um, you, you're just throwing in this X factor of literally the most exciting thing ever. So you have a lot of Christians who want to escape their lives for whatever reason, that might be explicit stuff like I'm poor and my life sucks, mm-hmm. uh, like, for instance, slaves. And, and there's that kind of escapism in, in um, slaveholder religion or – not slaveholder, uh, early like, black slave religion. Um, but then there's the people who – it's not that they hate their lives. It's that they want they, – there's a darkness in them that like, wants to like, be on the winning team of a big battle and like mm-hmm. see their enemies vanquished. yeah. And yeah. then in between those things, I would say the first is pretty pure motivation, the second is very impure, and there's uh-huh. all shades in between. So people will just have various sort of stances toward the end that will motivate them to be excited, mm-hmm. fearful, whatever.
1: It makes me, you, you've given all those reasons, like really just puts a big picture in my mind of, first off, like, it seems like everyone has some kind of interest in, in the end time, or it's pretty popular. Just yeah. period, religion or no religion. Then yeah. You global re- warming, right? I mean, yeah, like yeah. the
2: the the predictions that get the most play right now are the we have ten years. Yeah. Before it's all and people, you know, I think what they're really saying is we have ten years before certain thresholds are hit. Mm-hmm. That are you know that would be the but people hear it as yeah. we have ten years till it's done yeah and mm-hmm. then they think oh that's sensationalism and but yeah there's it's a morbid curiosity. So you
1: add then you add a a religion that has an entire book that if you take it literally gives you the answer to it and then you even add to it some stuff you were saying like it makes me think of like we we, especially men in particular or if we're being stereotypical like the idea of like gladiators and like those kind of things then you add that part to it and then if you're in a culture where women have to submit to men and then you are submitted to an authority figure that authority figure is now abusing their power you're gonna see how quickly cycle. that that goes into that big cycle and pot and then you see now we're seeing people our age that have dealt with that and and how their result what the results are to that mm-hmm
2: yeah, dude. I don't really have anything to add to that. I think that's really interesting. <laughs> I, <laughs> while I was literally
1: writing down ideas while you were saying that, like, yeah, that, well, this makes
2: sense too. Yeah. And then especially in the different cultures you have. Um what how have you no, seen but that? But that is an interesting angle for like future study, either for myself or someone else, is like, how did how did gender roles and gender expectations mm-hmm. play into this? Mm-hmm. I bet you would find something, although a lot of the profits it, that anecdotally in the stories I happen to collect, which are not, of course, this yeah. is not a representative sample of Americans or anything like that, but a lot of those uh, prophets were women. And actually mm-hmm. I think that there's an interesting angle there, which is similar to missionaries where women are not in most of these, you know, most of these are conservative Christian mm-hmm. movements. So women can for sure not be pastors. Yeah. They can be prophets. They can be missionaries, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. they can do vacation Bible school and, give like super weird predictions about packing a bag and standing on your roof when the rapture comes which is also in one of the the stories (laughs) in part four which just came out uh, yesterday (laughs)
1: um how have you seen the correlation with the people you and how many people did you interview in total like 25 i think 20 20 20. okay yeah out of those 20 you interviewed how many people stayed
2: in faith compared to not Where, where where's the correlation you saw there yeah, so again, you know, you got to be careful with the numbers here because uh, it's not a representative sample. It's yeah, not a it's random a small sample. sample size, yeah. People who happen to follow me on Facebook already, so it's a very self-selected group. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, and I would say people who follow me on Facebook are are more likely to still be Christian than not. Yeah. Because uh, the show, you have permission and stuff I've done before, I'm still a Christian. So yeah, yeah, makes sense. So there's some self-sorting. Um, in the group that I talked to, I would say about a quarter of them had left the faith by now. Okay. Uh, and this was a part of it for all of them. It, it was, let's see for people who left, I don't think it was the main thing for anybody who left. Although uh, one, one, the woman I interviewed who actually told her, her twin sister story, that was her version. She said her sister has identified the early end time scare as the beginning of what eventually had her leave the church. Mm-hmm. So some of it. Yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, for anybody, yeah. there's always a uh, hundred causes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever.
0: So now, moving from this point forward, like we, I, I feel like as you were saying, as the millennials have gotten older, we're able to look at this and realize the ways that that we've gone wrong in the church. What can we do as the church now and as Christians? to love on people who have experienced abuse from this or their faith has and has been totally twisted and now their their theology is all messed up or maybe left the church altogether basically where do we go
2: from here I mean um unless you are a mental health counselor mm-hmm. step 1 is listen and and be a good friend and step 2 is if you think uh that it if you think that it's serious enough like try and encourage them to to go to counseling um and there are a lot of uh you know this is a hard thing people have a hard time finding the right kind of person um but you you can one one quick and dirty step if this is your past there are a lot of christian colleges that uh license counselors and therapists and psychologists and if you go psychologytoday.com is like the main kind of classifieds for therapists mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they'll say where they went to school so look for people that got their degree from a Christian college in your area like in Seattle I think I think like half of all the therapists come out of Christian at least Christian adjacent colleges uh, here uh there just are a bunch and this is a not not a very Christian yeah. city so there there is a Christian universities are kind of all on that my mm-hmm. dad who's been a therapist for 40 years got his degree from a Christian school so um and I mean their I mean their masters or their doctorate right their their actual Training, yeah. and mm-hmm. then that person will not judge you. They will know where you're coming from. If it's in America, unless it was a Catholic school or something, they will know where mm-hmm. you're coming from, and they will they will not think you're weird. And and most therapists um, don't think that people's trauma is weird. I mean, if they're yeah. if they are trained to deal with trauma, then they don't care where the trauma comes from. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. How do you see the church today unintentionally preach end times message?
2: Or do you see it like well, I'm not in that world anymore. I'm not in that yeah. evangelical world, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's you know you definitely still see it in like it's still a big strain of thought in more fundamentalist circles mm-hmm. um, And actually something that you guys might find interesting that I kind of hit me two days ago. It sort of requires fundamentalism yeah right Be- because if you think there's a code, a mathematical, code of any kind, even if you think it's just like the days are literal days or, you know, whatever it is, then it has to be plain sense, literal reading. Yeah. Like God had to have put those numbers in there perfectly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would you trust this map? Like you, you wouldn't trust a math equation that got you like within the 75%. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like there's something assumed about all this stuff. That's like, yeah, of course it's a fundamentalist literal reading of it. And that really kind of actually helped me go, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's why I don't believe it (laughs) because I don't think that's what the Bible is at all. Mm -hmm. So like, um, you, but if you do have that kind of reading of the text, then you're going to be really tempted to start to see if you can solve the equation Mm -hmm. like goodwill hunting, you know, stay (laughs) after class on the board and see Mm -hmm. what you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Baltimore is not Boston, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm we don't, trying, we don't guys. Like yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> we, we we actually, trying.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's like the worst. The worst
0: thing you could yeah. have said. <laughs> <laughs> this interview
1: is now over. <laughs> 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 no,
0: but it's it's it is interesting that there are people who think that they can crack this code because Jesus also talked about how nobody will know when. Right. When the end will come. And, and instead, Jesus will come like a thief in the night, right? And all those sort of things. So it's like whenever I hear anybody predicting the end times or predicting the day, like to the day, I'm always like, well, I know it's not that day. Right? Like I, know, I know because Jesus right. said that we won't know when, when the world will
2: come to an end. So if you're going to read it literally, I don't understand how you just skip over that part. Well, that's the old, that's the old yarn in, mm-hmm. you know, more scholarly theological circles is that biblical literalists never read all of it literally. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, they don't read, you know, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than yeah. for a camel to go through the eye of avenue literally. <laughs> yeah. They don't read uh, mm-hmm. love your enemies literally. You know, they don't, nothing. Right. So, or they'll... Because they'll interpret it to go. Well, no, it's just your personal enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can still go to war, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, but that's not literal. I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. there no, is nobody no, actually
0: and, reads it literally. You're
2: right. Yeah, and then and there's also people who have shown at length that, like, even Tim LaHaye, the way that he does his his prophecy reading is like very selective, mm-hmm. which stuff he takes literally and which he takes figuratively. Um, and so there aren't actual locusts with the heads of men on them. They're helicopters. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why? Yeah. You yeah. Said yeah. you take. You know what I mean? So what's your hermeneutic here? So it's notoriously slippery. Mm-hmm. Basically.
1: Mm-hmm. How, one of the things that I was interesting from the interviews you were doing is how they would talk about like some of the prophets would say the end of Obama's term or what they have dates and then it'd get past the dates and they would still listen to those prophets, Like, how did you see and you kind of touched on that right you just yeah, did on that
0: people leave a little bit yeah.
1: how, how how have you seen them being able to to float around those things or or abuse those things and still be able to be a prophet even though they're obviously wrong on certain things how and why would people keep yeah. believing that
2: well i'll use an example from my own tribe instead of knocking them yeah uh obama's our man mm-hmm. is something that we all believed i i went to I was in Oakland when he was inaugurated and I went to Oakland Coliseum where the where the Warriors played and watched on the screen with like 15,000 mostly black Oaklanders his inauguration speech and and ceremony. Um, And then, you know, the drone start, the drone strikes start picking up. Yeah. And the civilians are being killed. And then you kind of hear, oh, he's actually deporting more people. Uh, than Bush did mm-hmm. down to Mexico and Latin America. What are you going to do? Are you going to say he's not our man anymore? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to find a way to say, well, he makes tough decisions. I, I don't have the information that he has. Now, that's, by the way, probably true. Mm-hmm. But the 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 mecha- the psychological mechanism is the same. We just cannot live with all that much cognitive dissonance moment to moment. We can't do it. So... There's something about these profits that people still really like huh. there's something about them that still speaks to them I mean you can see it with Trump as well and like mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't actually don't begrudge anybody voting for any presidential candidate, yeah. but the continued support shows this kind of Cognitive dissonance you just you can't Tell you can't admit it's hard to admit that you voted for someone you shouldn't have voted for mm-hmm. for instance mm-hmm. uh, and And that is as I said it goes both ways it went that way with Obama um, and so I think that's what's going on and I, I think that's actually just um, kind of a kind of a plain mm-hmm. everyday boring psychology thing that I we think just it's a good do answer. that. Yeah. yeah. That's good.
1: And you have to now if you get to the point of like oh I don't believe this anymore it's like you have to come to the realization you wasted money, time, yeah. energy, resources all this time so it's you'd rather just justify it. Yeah. So and what else
0: am I wrong on? What else do I believe that isn't, that isn't accurate if this was wrong and then your whole life falls apart and the way that you think about everything falls apart?
2: Well, and, okay, so there is an additional layer then that's not true for the political thing, for Obama or Trump, that is true for the prophecy thing, and that is that plain reading of Scripture. Mm-hmm. For, th- for most people in this world, their entire, they would say anyway, Their entire life structure is built around a plain reading of the biblical text, God's special revelation to humans. Mm -hmm. And so, well, it must just be that I did the numbers wrong, not that the Bible's wrong. Mm -hmm. Because if the Bible's wrong, my whole life has been spent on the wrong shit, basically. Uh And think about the psychological cost of even considering that claim. Much Mm -hmm. less admitting it. Mm, That's good. (laughs) Well, so people people come out of cults when they have to, right? They don't. That's Mm -hmm. when it happens because it is so costly to do it, and their lives are in shambles, right? Yeah. So when is the cost high enough that someone has to challenge these things? And of course, there are there's a uh, continuum of how cult like or how fundamentalist you are. The further Mm -hmm. down that you go. The, the harder it will be to leave. Yeah. You know, only 20% of Amish uh, youth, after they do their two years or their year living away from the Amish community, only 20% stay out hmm. because there's a lot of reasons. Maybe they really like being Amish, but also everything they know, their whole community, everything is back there. Yeah. The cost of leaving an Amish community is astronomical. You know what cost I paid when I decided to go to a secular college three hours away from my parents? I didn't pay any cost. <laughs> and then I very slowly learned more things about the world that were slightly different than what, you know, I didn't have that kind of cost to pay. The right. further you go down that continuum, the more of a cost you have to That's- leave it. That's so interesting what you just said. Because yeah. I always think of I watch
1: like movies on cults and that documentaries and think yeah. like how are they stay in this? And I never thought of it that way. That there's a big cost. And is that twenty percent true with Amish? I believe that's I believe that's wow. right. Yeah.
0: So I always think, yeah. Would, yeah. yeah, why would you go back?
1: I always yeah, if you get a taste, uh huh. That's what I, I I always think, why would you yeah. be Amish? But <laughs> 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 I mean I think I have some friends that be like, Why are you a Christian? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At absolutely. the same time. But yeah, that is fascinating yeah. to me. This honestly, and you're I'm not just saying it's because you're on. I mean, I am saying it even more. But your whole, all the, we've never talked about end times on here. We're both pastors. I rarely talk about um, mm-hmm. the book of Revelations. I'm uh, preaching on it this this year. You should have Dan come. You want to come? <laughs> <laughs> and do the message for you. Um, the, so we've, I, this is something that for me, for a while, I don't know if I just didn't understand it or didn't want to understand it or maybe even cared too much about that aspect of it. So that's why I never really I don't even read Revelation all that much because I don't get it and I don't really I think it's intimidating. It intimidates me. I'm not as smart as as Dan and other people. So there's a little bit of that. But listening to your podcast has really just opened my eyes to a world of that we experience a little bit, but could have experienced way more, and some of the people that have experienced that much that probably go to our churches <laughs> that yeah. that are are wrestling through some of that stuff. So yeah. I, I highly recommend if you if. You're interested in this stuff at all to listen to um,
2: You Have Permission Pod because it's especially this, these four episodes have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a lot less swearing than I did today. I didn't realize you guys were both <laughs> pastors.
1: <laughs> it's all right. You know what?
2: Every <laughs> time we say that, uh-huh. every time someone says, like, hey, so what do you do? I say, pastor, they always go, oh, I'm sorry for <laughs> – <laughs> 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 Like, I don't think it's wrong. To, don't get me wrong. <laughs> we I don't whole, feel we've done episodes on, on that. You're yeah. good. I don't think it's sinful to swear or anything. I just uh, – you know, you try and – Yeah, you want to be careful you want to be you're good uh, smart about matching message (laughs) to audience oh well
1: and you went you know what I'm going on Not Your Mama's podcast we can do whatever we want
2: (laughs) yeah that's kind of what I thought (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh well oh well well Dan no but uh, but I will I'm going to connect you guys with uh, my buddy Josh Patterson who is a pastor on the east coast as well and he he has actually done a lot of textual stuff with Revelation and has some great resources so that would probably be a better thing for like a teaching series or something yeah. like that would be another way of reading it. Like the, the consensus way that scholars read it, for instance.
0: Yeah. I would yeah. love to check that out. I really appreciate that. But Dan, thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, as we've said multiple times, check out, you have, uh, you have permission podcast. It's worth it. It's a uh, really intellectual, has some really good stuff in there. So if you want to listen to some dumb stuff, you can come here. If you want to <laughs> listen to some smart stuff, go to, you have permission <laughs> <laughs> podcast and check out
2: Dan Coke. We really appreciate your time, Dan. I, I reject that distinction. <laughs> I think that that's false. But I did have a great time talking with you guys, so thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast,